You found the Digging Oak Island podcast, the podcaster's journey to discover the truth behind the Oak Island mystery. I'm Dave McBride. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. If you have been listening to and enjoying our show, please consider helping us out by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash Island to learn more. All right, before we get started, I want to tell you about the sponsor of this show. It's amazing that we actually have a sponsor, and this is the second time these guys have sponsored us, and we're really thrilled to have them on board. It is a, what I would call a productivity drink called Magic Mind. It is, uh, it's a drink that's not, it's not an energy drink, although it does provide some of that for sure, it feels like, at least it does for me. Um, it's more of a drink that helps you kind of focus and sort of, it energizes your brain, your brain really more than anything else. And, and I've told you these guys this in the past, most of my mornings are taken up by doing things like research or, um, recording or the other projects I do, like the DJing and that kind of stuff. I do almost all of that in the mornings because as a professional musician, I have um, I work in the evenings. I have a small child that I take care of during the day. When he's at school, that's when I do all this other stuff like podcasting and DJing and even working on some music. And I do most of it in the mornings. And I found myself sort of dragging myself up the stairs and in front of the computer and in front of the microphone to do these things. And uh, I never really thought of any kind of way to fix that. I just had some coffee. I'm not really an energy drink person. I don't drink Red Bull or any of that kind of stuff. And then these guys reached out about sponsoring the show, and I was really kind of intrigued by the actual product itself because, you know, this is something that, that, that I could use that would be helpful for me, and it has worked. They sent me a big, big box of it. After about three days, and these are like shot glass sizes, right? It's not a big energy drink like a big Red Bull. Um, And they recommend that you either replace your coffee or maybe have it along with your morning coffee. I'm a coffee guy. So what I actually did was went to like a smaller cup and a half-calf kind of coffee. Because with this, you really didn't need it. It sort of did the job. And the best thing about it is after a couple days, I found not only was I getting more energy and more focus on my work in the mornings doing things like this, But even if that night I had to go out and and play somewhere and work late into the night, it still kind of held on. It still kind of kept me up and focused and all that and didn't affect my sleep at all. Like it didn't affect my sleep and it didn't affect sort of like, what would you call like your anxiety level? Like sometimes that uh, coffee can do. Anyway, I recommend you try this out, magicmind.co.co. And if you go to magicmind.co slash diggin, you could put in a discount code of diggin20, and you could get either a 20% off a one-time purchase for this code, or you can get a 40% off code for, you can get 40% off a subscription. Uh, so go check it out. It's, I'm really impressed by this product. I, I was not expecting a... Uh, a sponsor, and I'm not an energy drink person. Uh, I am now. Uh, uh, well, though, again, a productivity drink person is really the best way to put it. Magicmind.co slash diggin and put in code diggin20 to, uh, to get your discount. Thanks to Magic Mind for sponsoring us for sure. All right. A couple of weeks ago, I put out the call for uh, your opinions on season nine. What I wanted was to learn from the listeners and uh, of this show and, of course, the uh, general Oak Island fandom 
you know, especially the Curse of Oak Island fandom, what I wanted to learn was what you thought of this season. And you guys really responded with a lot of opinions and comments. So we're going to dedicate this entire episode of the podcast to just that, the fans' feelings about the recently concluded Season 9 of The Curse of Oak Island. So we'll start out over on the Patreon. If you want to become a patron, patreon.com slash island, five bucks a month. Uh, if you think this show is worth five bucks a month, head over there, but uh, I'll stop the plugs now. Uh, anyway, we're going to start uh, with the comments from our patrons, and let's start with Marilee, who says, I agree with most acorns that the season as a whole really dragged. It was overall disappointing, but the finale was good. I went back to James McQuiston's Oak Island Endgame to review his research on the Freemasons of Oak Island and the history of the people who traveled to Mahone Bay. Fascinating stuff. I look forward to next season. Merrily, I do too. And maybe we need another interview this offseason with Mr. McQuiston, who also put out a new book recently, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we're going to have a great interview for you next week, so uh, stay subscribed for that. My only little warning I'll give here is that from season to season, right, and we're talking about my, again, I'm referring to your um, interest in the Freemason stuff. From season to season, you never know if these lines of evidence um, will actually be followed in the next season. For example, last season we ended with great work being done at the Samuel Ball home site. And we had all these great hopes for more on this, but that, you know, uh, that just never happened again. We got nothing. Anyway, you never know. Uh, thanks again, Merrily. Uh, let's go now to Brian, also a patron, who writes, Dave, I have uh, thought I have thought quite a bit on this, and I have said many times, even in this forum, I love this show and I'm still here, but the endless tension-building efforts that end up being wood or ox shoes is losing people. Your wife and mine are long gone. I agree with you. I think I heard you say this before, that the producers need to go more in the direction of history as tied to what they are seeing. They have to go in a bigger direction to keep us and draw back others. Talk about the research, the past items found, and what they learned. Heck, embrace the self-deprecating situation they find themselves in. Get an ox for a pet, and Carmen can make a shoe for him. <laughs> the trip to Portugal was great. Do more of that, please. All right, great stuff, Brian. Um, yes, we're in agreement here. I think the current method of... Um, trying to make each and everything they find or that they show us that they find seem like this huge discovery. And that kind of idea just can't go on much longer. Um, in general, my feeling is they should work under the general idea of showing fewer things, fewer mundane things like ox shoes and wood pieces and, and spend more time on the history and the theory because the biggest thing that gets to me is when they show me an ox shoe when they show me a piece of wood and they don't really follow up on it, they don't really do much to tell us the dating. I mean, they date some wood, they date some ox shoes, but they leave a lot out there uh, just sort of hanging out there. But yet they try to convince us that it is some amazing thing tied to the Templars or something like that. And it, we just, we're not that dumb. We see what it is. We know what it is. We know why you're not following up with it. And it tends to be a little... Almost borderline insulting. Anyway, thanks again, Brian. Uh, continuing with our patrons, here is Mark who writes, It started out pretty strong with them finding gold traces and such. In a moment of temporary delusion, I actually thought there might be treasure. That, of course, until I learned the gold in the items found was less than what I find in my... <laughs> He writes, in my stool after, drowning, after downing a shot of Goldschlager. 
Are you sure about that, Mark? I'm not so sure. Anyway, I didn't feel like much interesting stuff happened after those first five episodes. The Gerhardt dump trucks of silver, unsurprisingly, never materialized, though one can hope. And the archaeologists leaving the island didn't really help with uh, keeping things interesting. Would have liked to see more of Laird and company. Portugal trip was cool because of history there, but the theory is rather hard to believe unless you're a brainwashed Manchurian candidate style to believe all those, all theories Templar. I hope the archaeologists make a comeback next season. I have to guess the Muon data will show great promise, get everyone to do a dance, but they will drill into the areas of interest and nothing will be found. All in all, this was a so-so season. Mark, you always have a wonderful way of words, my friend. <laughs> You're certainly not alone in your feelings on this season. As uh, we continue here, you'll see that. Um, anyway, great stuff. Thanks for being a patron. Thanks for writing in. Here's another friend of ours, Jeff, on the patron, who writes, um, this was the worst season by far. You're starting to get a feel here, right? of how disappointing the season was. Uh, anyway, he continues, they literally found nothing of interest. The narration was more noticeably misleading than previous seasons, and the constant harping on governmental restrictions was annoying. Even the people on the show, the Fellowship, seemed less interesting and less interested, morphing into characters of themselves, regurgitating cliche lines and open-ended generic statements. Overall, every aspect of the show this season was very disappointing. The only thing I'll say about that the only pushback I'll give you, Jeff, is, um, <clears throat> you know, if it's true that they found gold traces in this metal and gold that is not related to the the local um, natural gold, that's of interest. But we got to figure out what these metal pieces were and where they came from. And until then, it's really not all that interesting, um, though kind of cool. Anyway, I think your remark about regurgitating cliche lines is... Maybe the most alarming one, if you're a showrunner here, because um, it really shows the need for change um, in the direction of the show. Because once things like that start to become cliche, it starts to be, uh, you know, that that's a slippery slope towards the end. And, I, and I'll say, Jeff, you're right. It's almost to the point now where we can predict what these guys are going to say, right? And that's not a good thing on television. Now, having said all that, Jeff, I also added another comment. Um, I just Jeff also added another comment. He wrote, uh, "quote I just watched the drilling down. Looks like they're going to hook me in for another season." And I'm with you here too, man. I mean, I think the season was not as good as past seasons, and the show needs a refreshment a little bit. But yeah, I'm hooked as well. I mean, I want to see what some of this stuff is, and I think after the interview next week, you're going to be hooked a little bit more too. Okay, continuing on the patron. Excuse me, my my throat is still not great. I had a bout with uh, some sort of cold or something here in the last couple of weeks, but uh, it's still hanging on a little bit, so it's affecting my voice here. But anyway, we continue with Brian in British Columbia who writes, We found last season so frustrating to watch that we didn't catch a single episode of season nine on TV. Instead, we listened to the podcast to stay up to speed with what was happening. I feel that I've seen through the illusion and that the show's best days are behind us. I can accept that there is no treasure on the island. That's evident from the fact that nothing of substance has ever been located. What kept my interest was a fascination with the history that links all the activity that we have seen on Oak Island over these last 500 years. I found that the constant repetition and misleading narration has now worn thin. It's far more gratifying to listen to the podcast or read one of the many great books about Oak Island versus wasting an hour watching wood and ox shoes each week. 
The only way I'll come back is if Dave Cump becomes one of the show's producers and makes the show interesting again. That's not going to happen. Uh, there was an old Dan Blankenship line that says something to the effect that the treasure on Oak Island is the interest from tourists. I feel that Prometheus has exploited that interest and is now out of ideas. Without a major overhaul to the show, The Curse of Oak Island may not survive another full season. Brian, thank you for your kind words there and for writing in. Great stuff, my friend. Uh, I thank you and all the patrons for supporting the show. You guys make this podcast something really special for me. It's really changed the direction of the show for sure. I'm entirely grateful for all of you uh, and all of you for writing in here. And uh, Brian, you make some great points there. Um, and I, there's not much I can add. Again, folks, if you want to help out the show, um, think we're worth five bucks a month, go to patreon.com slash digging Oak Island. I said I had no more shameless plugs, but there's one. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break. And we're going to come back with some of your emails. Okay. Now, actually, before we go to the emails here, um, I want to read a couple of comments from Facebook that uh, people wrote. First, Chris writes, I was an avid watcher of The Curse of Oak Island, but I must say, along with so many others, that the show has finally jumped the shark. This season, with all the talk of Akshu's medieval cobblestone roads, Carmen Legs sets up empty cans. Carmen Legs setups, excuse me, empty cans and over exaggerations on everything. I have no doubt something of historical significance occurred on Oak Island, perhaps even history changing. But I can't take the narration and show format any longer, especially when they are finding so little this past season. A change in format focusing on the historical aspect and not cherry-picking only those discoveries that fit the treasure narrative would pique my interest again, and probably that of many others. The Trips Abroad was perhaps the most interesting episodes of this season, even though they too had some pretty tenuous claims being made. While I do understand that the show is geared towards trying to be entertainment and not a docu-series that portrays a clear picture and explores everything in perspective, my frustration will remain. I am still and will continue to be an avid listener to the pod, uh, and I'm grateful for your passion and dedication to it. I love the Oak Island mystery, but I'm at the point of choking on ox shoes. <laughs> Chris, I think you uh, you speak for a lot of viewers here, and certainly the ox shoes and wood is uh, something that the showrunners may, may, may want to kind of address and think about as time goes on. Um, and I think a lot of you seem to be kind of on my side with the change of direction the show needs, maybe a change more towards theories um, and more towards history and a little less towards uh, hearing Gary Drayton, you know, talk about Bobby Dazzlers or whatever it is that you're that annoys you perhaps this time around um, this sort of cliche stuff, as we mentioned before. Anyway. It's great stuff. Uh, thanks again for listening, Chris. Also, okay, I also want to go to the Facebook here. Um, we had a comment from a person named John, a long comment here, so let's get through this. Uh, this was definitely the least entertaining season. I'm tired of the preview of next week's episode being the most exciting part of this week's episode. Interesting point there, um, for John, for sure. I honestly don't think it's the lack of fines. I think it's the way it's all presented. Give us some follow-up on the fines, even if they don't fit the Templar narrative. Tell us which timeline and which theory each find supports, even if it's not the most exciting thing. There are so many interesting theories about Oak Island. They did an entire episode where they crammed 25 into one show. Why not do some theory-based episodes where they look at one or two theories and review all the evidence that supports and refutes that theory? The refute part, I'm going to stop here, John. The refute part is the part I think we really need to talk about, right? We need to... 
We need to make this sort of open-ended for, for viewers and let viewers decide. That is what's compelling in my mind. Anyway, he continues. Which finds fit in the timeline? They said they have found thousands of items over the last seasons. Should it be possible with that much evidence to start putting together a timeline of events? I am excited about the Muon technology, but we've been excited about GPR and other technologies in the past as well. I just hope it's able to distinguish between treasure and wood or backfill and sand deposits. I'll still be watching, so we'll all find out together. I find it interesting how they found a Portuguese well with the same design and dimensions as the money pit, yet no one mentioned that maybe that just pointed to the money pit being a freshwater well. I'm sure there are many reasons why that's not likely, but then why draw the comparison? Give your viewers enough respect to at least present all options, then present other data that either supports or refutes that. Stop pretending like most of your viewers have just turned into the show for the first time. I still enjoy the show, but it's getting frustrating. Love your podcast. Thank you for putting it together each week. John, great stuff. Let me add this. This treasure hunt has stumped and frustrated hunters, treasure hunters, for centuries, right? Centuries now. I think, and it seems a lot of you guys do too, I think the show needs to be more willing to embrace that fact, and that angle a little more than they're willing to now. My biggest beef with this season is the idea that they found something groundbreaking or incredibly important. They didn't. The season was a failure. And that's okay. We all know that. We all watched. Tell us about all the other failures from all the other tre- treasure hunters from all of these decades. Right? When the narrator or Maddie Blake tries to convince us otherwise, tries to convince us that they actually did find something, when we just sat and watched all those hours of television, they kind of look ridiculous. And like I said, it's insulting to the viewers. Knock that nonsense off. Embrace the challenge that is Oak Island more. Stop pretending you're conquering the island because you're not. And instead, embrace the idea that you're taking small steps forward, small steps that other treasure hunters for the last 200 plus years have not been able to do. And I think people will embrace that idea because it is difficult work and these guys are putting more into it than they ever have. And the fact that they can fail makes them human and makes it more compelling. The idea that we try to make this season anything but a failure, I'm sorry. It's just, you know, when you consider just the simple fact that we... Ended last year talking about a dump truck load full of gold and silver in the money pit. And then we did not find anything even coming close to that. You can't call this season anything but a failure. But again, that's okay. That's what all other seasons of treasure hunting on on Oak Island have all been for the last 225 plus years. Anyway. Time to go to the emails now and another listener from British Columbia. Here is Tom who writes, Hi, Dave. I'm a longtime listener from Vancouver, BC. I want to take this opportunity to thank you for a great podcast. Oh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. I also want to share, and he continues, I also want to share a news alert with you that you might find interesting and uh, some thoughts about what's in store for season 10. But first, Ideon, that's the company that did the Muon technology, is promoting their involvement in Oak Island. See their website for more details, and he posted a link. I'll put that link on our Facebook page. They were also featured on a local TV broadcast, which aired on May 10th. The information coming out of the news clip was that scanning being conducted by Ideon started in the fall of 21. 
Second, I'm hopeful and do expect that in Season 10 there will be more involvement by the government and the indigenous descendants of Oak Island. Every time Laird smirks, that's what he's thinking. Rick and Marty could benefit by sitting down with the Mi'kmaq at the start of Season 10 and listen to their story. They were original custodians of the land. It would be a gesture of reconciliation for the way the Mi'kmaq history was marginalized in Season 9. After all, the ultimate curse of Oak Island would be for the Mi'kmaq to lay claim to more of the island's artifacts requiring an appropriate archaeological investigation into their history. That would be a good outcome and would give us all a chance to see more of Miriam Amaral. Thank you for letting me vent a bit of a bit and sharing my enthusiasm for your program. Tom from Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, I've said this um, the last few times over the last couple of weeks, Tom, and I'll repeat it here. I want the work in the southeast corner of the swamp to resume as much as Marty seems to, um, but likely for very, very different reasons. You see, the Mi'kmaq pottery has me wondering if, in fact, these quote-unquote mysteries in the swamp are not, in fact, Mi'kmaq in origin. That would answer a lot of questions and take us down a very different path than the History Channel would probably like us to see. Uh, we have seen a stone road, and that's probably not Mi'kmaq. Another strange, but the other strange things from the swamp, but we never get any evidence of who might have done this, who might have been there. No evidence whatsoever of the Portuguese or anybody else, but we do now have evidence of the Mi'kmaq people. We actually have a real lead over there now. So uh, I don't believe that the show, uh, when they complain about not being able to search there because the answers the archaeologists were on to certainly not the kinds of things that Prometheus likes to talk about and promote. So it's kind of a, kind of a, <laughs> you know, a, a sticky situation. Anyway, thanks, Tom, for your email. And uh, thanks for the info on Ideon. Again, I'll put that info uh, on our Facebook page if you guys want to check it out for yourselves. Let's go to another email from a friend of the show. This is Steve who writes, Howdy. Hope the McBride family has a great weekend planned. I assume you'll do a season 10 prediction uh, episode in the autumn. I will, yep. And so I'll limit my reflections to season 9 and perhaps season 8 with which it shared my commonalities. Uh, Here he goes. He writes a few here. I get the vibe that they're milking things here. The more they drive cans and boreholes to bedrock, the more you realize they're running out of ideas around where to look. Why have they ignored Quezon's 10X and C1, into which they can apparently get divers? Gold embedded in the walls? Alleged floating human hands? I'm no rocket scientist, but I'd revisit these. Was I just imagining things, or did we hear nothing at all about the Ball or McInnes excavations this year? No wonder Laird's possibly frustrated. There's plenty of archaeology to do on the island. No need to bench him or dismiss Taylor, Amaralt, and the rest. More to that story, more to that story we weren't told. That is absolutely true. Uh, Stay tuned to the next podcast for some answers there. Why did excavations of the central and northern swamp just stop? They did a little digging around the seawall, but that wasn't about that. But that was about it. The muons may solve this, but why can't they seem to generate a 3D model of what's underground? In dozens of locations they've made, we hit a tunnel at X feet declarations. Can't all that data be mapped? to tell them where the tunnels are and where they might be running. Between the muons, the sonic mapping, and the brute force drilling, they ought to have plenty of data. I'm going to stop here a second, Steve. I think they do, and I think they've done that. Um, I think we've seen little bits of that here and there, but I do think they've done that for sure. Now, why they don't relay that to us 
your guess is as good as mine. Anyway, Steve continues. A statement was made, and I'm going to get it wrong, and I get uh, uh, get it wrong, uh, that they found something like 1,000 to 2,000 artifacts this year. They probably do every year. Do these tell any sort of story? What are these? Mostly modern searcher junk, and what the heck do they do with all? Dumpster it. Um, Steve, next podcast. Listen to the next podcast. When they backfill the caisson holes, do they dump the wood back in? They're covering a lot of wood. Seems like they'd want to classify and categorize it and preserve it rather than making things more difficult for future searchers if there will be any at all. I'm not convinced anyone comes after this crew. They pulled a lot of apparently old, rough-hewn beams out of the tunnels this year, but the later the season got, the less we heard about them, carbon or dendro dating. You had made a suggestion in the previous podcast episode that the show might consider restructuring and doing more historical trips and explore these theories. I think you're spot on there. Despite the big uh, conclusatory leaps, I like that word, they made while in Portugal, it was one of the more interesting bits of the season. Long email, sorry. Anxious to hear what other listeners are thinking. Have a great weekend. Um, have a cold pint or two. I, I did, Steve. Thank you. Thank you. And I will again. Uh, great stuff as always, my friend. You mentioned Samuel Ball site there and um, and Laird Niven. And let me just say this. Um, well, you know what? I'm not going to say anything. Watch your emails. Uh, watch watch your feed, folks. I'm going to give it away. Next week, we will have a interview with Laird Niven, which I just completed before recording this episode. So there's a lot of answers to a lot of this stuff in that. So stay tuned for all that. As far as work stopping in other parts of the swamp not affected by the shutdown, your guess is as good as mine. Again, the cynical side of me thinks that that's because they have a very good idea that the, a lot of the quote-unquote mysteries in the swamp other than the Stone Road are in fact possibly First Nations in origin and not someone burying a treasure. But again, just a guess. Okay, time to hear now from Warren who writes, who asked for our end of season thoughts and what people's opinions are after this season. I follow a couple of Oak Island groups on Facebook. And after the season, people now more than ever seem to fall into two groups. Those that have lost all hope and believe it's been all for nothing. And then there are those that still believe that there is a treasure and that there's treasure, treasure, treasure there somewhere. They just need to keep looking. I consider myself in the middle, but it doesn't seem that there are too many of us left. I do believe in the mid-1700s and up, we can put military activity down to the British Navy getting cabbages for sauerkrauts, possibly pine tar, and maybe even oak trees for ship mast manufacturing and that kind of thing in neighboring Halifax. Shout out to Deb Minter. She has written many great articles on the historic background of the island and the characters that lived on it. However, the reason I keep watching is because there have been unusual artifacts found from before 1700s that are harder to explain, such as the lead cross, the bones, some old underground wood, and the road. Does this mean treasure? Templars? Religious artifacts? William Shakespeare? No, it does not. It's all a leap of faith. And sorry, but Zena's map has unfortunately a murky background which casts doubt on it. But I keep watching as I am hoping that I'm wrong and there is something to this leap of faith after all. Warren. Great stuff, Warren. I agree with most of what you say there. Uh, I consider myself in the middle too. Um, and as the years go by and so much money is spent on the dig, it's hard not to start thinking about sliding towards that skeptical group, right? It's difficult as these years go on. But we have to remember, this is just a small snapshot of a very big treasure hunt that's gone on much longer than the Laginas have. Okay, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back with some more emails.
All right, let's go to Milwaukee. Here from Tim, who writes, Dave, I feel like I have some so many questions that you might be able to do a whole podcast on just me. Here we go. So we watched the season wrap up drilling down. The whole archaeologist thing makes no sense. Why did they shut them down? Can't these archaeologists just do their thing without Rick and Marty's blessing? Most of the time, they do just this stuff on their own anyways. Send a film crew to see if anything shows up and let them go to town. I know that NSCC, which is the local college there, wanted them to stand down. But but why a complete stoppage? Okay, let me stop you here. Tim, I don't have all the answers on all this. Um, and you're going to get some more in next week's podcast. But here is what I can say um, with sureness. Is that the archaeological work was indeed being funded by the Laginas. So it is their call if they want the work to continue or not. Also, it's their property, so I think it would take some time and a lot of significant government movement to force such a search on them, um, and that, you know, especially one paid for by government funds. It's complicated, for sure, and we're only getting a very, very, very small fraction of the story and what's going on here, and that's the hard part. It's hard to get through all that, right? Anyway, Tim continues. During the sonic drilling, they hit that shot up. Uh, they hit water that shot up and was unexplained till Marty figured it out. So why not put a can in there? The five cans that were put in this year were basically the same place, and I understand that prepping the area for drilling a can and moving that equipment costs tons of money, but why not explore that area? Something about Xena's map has always confused me. It clearly shows the names, areas. Did everyone, anyone ever notice the valve? What and why not look for that? I mean, it seems to me that might be where you'd turn something on or off. Okay, I'm going to stop again. First, um, I have no answers on why they didn't drill things where they are. Um, can't can't answer that for you. And as mentioned in the last email, uh, Zena's map is dubious. Um, it's absolute. Well, dubious sounds negative, but is it's absolutely not confirmed as a genuine artifact. Honestly, as far as I'm concerned, um, they need to do that first before investing any more money, time, airspace. Uh, with anything that is, um, you know, with a search of anything that comes from the map. Um, I just think that's that's the responsible way to do it. Anyway, Tim continues. Now, a question about the nephews of Rick and Marty. Do Rick and Marty have a sister or, an, or another brother, or did one of them marry someone with two kids already? Also, I did notice that one of the nephews has been wearing a Marquette University cap. Any clue where uh, what he'd be studying? I live in Milwaukee, and Marquette is in Milwaukee. As always, keep up the fantastic work, and I look forward to hearing more. Tim in Milwaukee with my wife, Sharon. Tim and Sharon, thank you both very much. Uh, unfortunately, the questions there you asked at the end are um, that I didn't answer there are simply I am no help with. At the risk of sounding, I guess maybe snarky is the right word, um, and I don't. that's not at all my intention, things about Rick and Marty's family and that kind of stuff are just... I just have no interest in that stuff. It's just not what, what I want the podcast to be about. And I try not to even get distracted by that. So honestly, I can't give you any answers. And the rest of the questions, about, again, about the cans and positioning, all that. I mean, I have no clue. We can only go with what we get here, right? This year, more than ever, the editors, I think, did a particularly bad job at explaining these decisions and these things. You know these guys discuss this. You know they discuss their reasoning for why to put this here and why not go there. But we just never really got to see it. And when we did, it was this sort of choppy stuff. Anyway, thank you, Tim. Uh, let's go now to Don, who writes, Hi, Dave. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. With regards to your season finale episode, I have a few thoughts to share. 
While the presence of an ox shoe is not particularly remarkable, I find it unlikely that a stone road could have been constructed by farmers on the island as you theorized. As rudimentary as the construction is, it still appears to be a massive undertaking, far beyond what a few farmers could muster in the manpower and time. Nor would it be practical, and farmers are nothing if not practical. Now let me just interject here. I think you're right. It does depend on the farm and what they're doing, but... Um, Next week's podcast is going to sway me more into your area here. Um, you know, but I, I, you know, if you're hauling a lot of cabbage or something like that for the Navy, maybe, maybe you need some help there. I don't know. But again, next week's podcast is going to steer me more in your direction here. Just a thought. Anyway, he continues. Regarding the listener questioning why the team doesn't just lower a camera into the drill hole when they encounter a possible tunnel or bedrock to visually confirm there are many reasons why this isn't done. The first is that the digging turns the water into muddy soup, making it impossible to see anything. It would take days or weeks for the sediment to settle to the point where the water is clear enough to see anything, and you don't want your very expensive digging crew sitting idly by, doing nothing, while you wait. If you look back at previous seasons, you'll notice that all of their camera and diving explorations seem to take place at the very beginning of the season, when the water has had months to settle and clear. Also, it's unlikely they would be able to see much anyway other than collapsed timbers mangled by the caisson teeth. The swamp, he, ends, he says. While the swamp is interesting, I think the bulk of the artifacts found there are meaningless. Bits of wood from ships, barrel tops, railings, scuppers, etc. from various exciting time periods are likely flotsam that has been pushed into the swamp by winter storms over hundreds of years. While historically interesting, it is doubtful that most of them have anything to do with the island or the quote-unquote mystery. The traces of silver and gold in the water are interesting and seem to have been big, a big motivator this season, but I'm curious what the science says about how long these traces might remain in water. Based on the possible time frames of depositor activities, how much material would give these readings if it were deposited in the 1700s? What about the 1400s? If a treasure had been there, had, had, had been there but then removed later, how long would those traces remain in the soil and water? Is it, as they claim, clear evidence that treasure is down there, or possibly evidence that treasure was down there at some point? Like many viewers, I was disappointed with this season, not only for the lack of any meaningful finds or progress, but also by how the showrunners have seemingly slumped into a very stale formula. I picture a few people around a whiteboard laying out each episode. Quick pass around the money pit to show the drilling. A side project, scanning the stone road, digging on another lot. Gary Metal detecting somewhere on the island, finding a few small items. Back to the money pit. Today could be the day. And we're approaching the zone of interest. Meeting with an expert about an item, find, chart, scan, or theory. Money pit again, metal detecting the spoils. Find nothing, hitting bedrock, calling it, we'll keep looking. Uh, I think you're really right on there, ton, and pretty much how many of these episodes went. Anyway, he continues, I think that despite the lack of evidence and progress this year, there is still plenty of opportunity for them to make the show more interesting. Whether through field trips, like the one to Portugal, going into more depth on the previous searchers, revisiting some of the theories, or even more information about engineering and science used in the work. I'm still intrigued by the mystery. And there is plenty of evidence that something or many things took place on Oak Island, but it seems the team has been systematically debunking some of the wild and interesting theories that got so many people hooked in the first place. Thanks again for all the great content, Don. Don, great stuff. 
Uh, thank you for uh, writing all that, taking the time to do all that. Um, I don't have much to add here. I can't answer that. I think most of the questions you asked are rhetorical. Um, so I can't really answer much of them for you. Uh, I think we're both think along the same way, you know, and I think the theme is that, and uh, again, hopefully the, uh, the showrunners are listening. The theme here is that the show's formula, that the show's, um, you know, needs a new direction. Uh, or a, even a return to an old direction, you know, and we need to spend less time on doing the same things every week, which a lot of this season was about. And I know that the can, work in the cans, the nature of that work is going to lend towards sort of a little bit of monotony, right? I mean, there's not much you can do about that. But, you know, we're trying to explore a mystery. And instead, we're exploring ox shoes and wood, as many people like to point out. Anyway, great stuff. All great points. Let's go to our old friend, Matt, in Pennsylvania, who says, Yo, Dave, first off, great job as always on the podcast. You're an outstanding job and really don't have much, and you really don't have much to work with. I'm just going to stop here. Matt, you're absolutely right. I think a lot of people, as this show gets more popular, think that I have some sort of uh, into the island in the show. I really don't. I can only go by the analysis of things that I see and stuff that I've read over years and years of doing this. Anyway, thank you for the kind words. He continues, this season of the show was an absolute disappointment. While I thought the season started strong, the constant whining about government restrictions and the lack of any significant fines really pushed me over the edge. I continued to watch, but my enthusiasm and excitement about the show has really started to fade. More often than not, I record the show and watch it days later so I can fast forward through the repetitive animations of flood tunnels and sunken ships hidden under the salty mud of the swamp, neither of which is accurate or even there. I sent you an email back in January where I made some predictions about the second half of the season. I thought that the Lagina brothers would find something of significance in the money pit. I thought the huge 10-foot cans would give us a small piece of gold or at least some artifact from the 18th century. Instead, the brothers pulled up a rubber boot. I couldn't help but think of the cartoon pictures where a fisherman throws his line in the water, feels a tug, and <laughs> maniacally reels up the line only to find a tattered rubber boot dangling from the hook. The summer of 2022 looks to be long, hot and brutal in the Philadelphia area. The Phillies stink, and it's 95 degrees outside today. <laughs> Maybe we could visit some of the past seasons of The Curse of Oak Island on your podcast over the summer. I would love to hear your thoughts on past episodes and maybe rewatching old seasons can remind us of why we fell in love with this series and get us enthusiastic and excited for season 10. Just a thought, but it might be uh, just what we need to breathe some fresh air back in the show that seems to have run its course. Anyway, let me know what you think. Uh, thanks, Matt from Pennsylvania. Matt, first of all, what I think is what a fabulous idea. <laughs> I put out a, uh, uh, a post for the patrons Patreon.com slash Digging Oak Island, um, asking them what they were looking for in this offseason, what we can do. And uh, this is a great response. I mean, I love this idea. So maybe we will do that. Maybe we will go and revisit, you know, the first couple of seasons or something along that line. And it's kind of because they are available. They're available to watch on a lot of different platforms. So um, and I know a lot of you can and, and are able to do so. So maybe that maybe we'll do that. Rewatch the first couple of seasons. Might be a good off-season idea for the podcast. Anyway, listen, I want to thank everybody for writing in, everybody for offering up their opinions. It was really great to hear all this. I, I'm going to say it like this. It was all 
pretty negative. There weren't a lot of people out there. There weren't any that I can remember in all of this who wrote me and said, man, this was the best season I've ever seen. I mean, there were one or two for sure, but um, over the years as well. But it it was a difficult season. And again, I think it's a difficult season because of the nature of the work and the nature of the way they're shooting the show. And I think all that can be fixed. This is a compelling show. In my mind, it's my favorite. It's a compelling show. I want to keep watching it. I want to keep being uh, intrigued by it. And I think there's so much history and so much cool stuff about Oak Island. That's that's a reasonable expectation to bring back some of the excitement of some of the old stuff. You know, you don't need to find something every week. You don't need to try to make us believe that this ox shoe or this piece of wood is some significant find. You don't need to do that every week. We're okay with not doing that. We're not thinking that every week. We're okay with learning something new about a past searcher or what they found or what they thought of something. We're okay with learning about a historical possible connection. I mean, I'm okay with an entire episode devoted to somebody like Corian Maul's theories or James McQuiston's theories. Go down the list, take the whole episode, have him walk us through it, through the history of it. Man, what compelling stuff that could be. And hopefully they'll do that because it does seem from the general feeling behind what I'm reading here and what I'm listening to and what I'm getting from you guys is that without that kind of change, maybe the show is starting to fade away a little bit. And let me just repeat, I hope it isn't. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Diggin' Oak Island podcast. Again, I'd like to thank Magic Mind, the sponsor of today's show, uh, magicmind.co.diggin, and use promo code DIGGIN20 to get 20% off your first one-time order and an even bigger discount off a subscription. This is great stuff, guys. I'm really happy with it, Uh, and I thank them for sponsoring the last couple of shows. Uh, Don't forget, a shameless plug here, I'm uh, DJing every Wednesday, 2 to 5 p.m., WDVR-FM. Uh, you can listen by going to WDVRFM.org, or if you're in the New York uh, or in the New Jersey, Pennsylvania area, you can uh, go to 89.7 uh, and listen there. Wednesdays, 2 to 5 p.m. I'm DJing again. It's been a great time. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Don't forget, um, patreon.com slash digging Oak Island. If you think the show's worth five bucks a month, go help us there. If you're not, if you can't help us with uh, financials, you know, with money, that's no problem. Uh, there's other ways to help out the podcast. And one of the ways you can do it just by listening, right? Writing in when you can, but also by leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your shows. Thanks to everyone who's done that already. I really do appreciate it. Come and join us on Facebook or Twitter. Just put in at Digging Oak Island. And again, as we go through the off season, if you have any questions or comments, you want to send them to me, you can do so diggingoakisland at gmail.com. During the off-season shows, I don't always read them right away. Sometimes I kind of bank them and do just a listener question show. Um, So you might have to hang on for that. And if you don't want your question or comment answered on the podcast, just make a mention of that to me uh, so I don't do so mistakenly. So until we speak again, I'm Dave McBride. Thank you for listening to Digging Oak Island. And thank you for dealing with my... uh, (laughs) permanently struggling voice here. Hopefully it'll be better next time.